0: Mark 7, in our last, uh, well, our, our first <laughs> and only previous session, I began a series entitled Truth or Tradition. And the Lord's been dealing with me about this for a couple of months now, and the further I go into it, I can see why. Because this is our foundation. How many believe that we ought to be built on the truth? not just on tradition. And so we've already taught along this line, but I'm going to review because most of you were not with us, and I'm going to review and then go on to some other things. But we'll just begin reading in Mark chapter 7. Let me pray another quick prayer before we read the Word. Honor the Word. Father, thank you for these dear ones that are here tonight. And I ask for everyone, for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts open and receptive, communicate and minister to each heart just what you would and let there be an opening and a revelation and a showing forth and a deposit and a supply of the Spirit and answers to questions and direction and quickening. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, and lay the foundation of this church and this work on the solid rock of the truth of the Word of God who was slain for us and raised from the dead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus is uh, speaking extensively about something, and you'll find that this is something that really bugged him and bothered him. If it bugged him then, it bugs him now, because he never changes, right? Well, if something really irritates him, we want to know about it and make sure that that is the thing we don't do. Well, listen carefully. Don't just read this like you've heard it a hundred times. Hear Jesus. Put yourself there and what was going on and hear his words. So then came together, Mark 7, 1. To him, to Jesus, the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. Fault finders. That's not a good group to be in. You know, some people think it shows spirituality because they can find fault. They're always picking up something bad. I just think there's a lot of trouble there. I think there's a lot of problems with them. I can just see a lot of junk. Well, no, it takes love and faith to see through the flesh and rough stuff and see something good. Amen. They found fault with Jesus. So if people find fault with you, don't just be shocked and fall off your chair. (laughs) You're not above your master, right? They found fault with him. And the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. They had a tradition of washing, they believed that cleanliness was next to godliness. <laughs> And when they come from the market, except they wash, they won't eat. And many other things there be which they have received to hold. Now this is really the definition of tradition. A tradition is something you have received to hold. It's something that's been passed down, handed down, sometimes for generations. And the problem is, if you've grown up with it all your life, you presume... That it's truth. Hmm? And there may not be a verse anywhere. That supports it. And yet you'd fight somebody over it. Well now bless God. Grandma always believed that all her life. Well have you ever stopped to think. What did it do for grandma? Did it help grandma? Grandma. I mentioned last Friday that. When I first went to Bible school, I was learning things every day, and the Lord began to deal with me. I remember in a time of prayer, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but very distinctly inside me, He began to deal with me, examine, Keith, everything that you believe, and why you believe it. When you realize something and you say, yes, I believe this, then answer this question, where's the Scripture? Hmm? And so this is kind of a theme of this series that I'm teaching. I told the guys last time, do you remember the old commercial where the little lady drove through the hamburger place and she hollered, where's the beef? Well, we got a new one here. Where's the scripture? All right. I want you to get that. I want you to get it in your strong. And anytime anything comes up that you say, well, I believe that. What's your next question? Where's the scripture? Hmm? Because elsewise, how can you say this is truth? And not just tradition. And don't misunderstand me. Now every group has some tradition. The one you came out of. I mean, there's Baptist tradition. I was born again in a Baptist church. I love the Baptist. I also went to a Church of God for a while. I love the Church of God. I went to a Pentecostal church for years too. I love them. And uh, then, you know, I've been in a lot of so-called faith churches, charismatic churches, but every one of them have some tradition. Every one of them. So I said, "Well, Brother Keith, who's right? Nobody that you know." is right about everything.
1: Did you hear me?
0: That includes you. Why? The great apostle Paul, who was caught up to heaven, who had visions of Jesus, who got revelation and was used to pen a major portion of the New Testament, he said, we know in part. Well, then that means there's parts you don't know. Right? Right? And if he just knew in part, then most folk you know just know part of the part. (laughs) Which means there's a lot we don't know. Right? Which is why it is so ignorant for people to get so huffy with each other. Hmm? You know, and we're not against anybody. Anybody that really believes in Jesus and really loves God, I'm for them. Hmm? In any group. In any denomination. Right? But I refuse to build my life or constrict my life just by the rules of men. With no scriptural basis. Right? I mean, it takes enough of our energy and resources trying to obey God. Without adding to that everything everybody else thinks we ought to do. So we would need to eliminate everything that's not what he told us to do. So we can focus on what he said. Keep reading. These guys had a washing doctrine. They did. They washed pots, and they washed cups, and they washed tables, and they washed brass vessels. And every time they went out and come back, they'd wash. And they wouldn't dare sit down and eat before they had washed. And they had a special way of doing it. If you read some of the other commentaries and writings, they'd their fists and they'd wash real vigorously up to a certain point and turn. I mean, it was a religious ritual the way they washed. And this had become so important to them. That when Jesus and His disciples just plopped down to the table and didn't even go by the wash basin, I think He did it on purpose. They said, Ha, you didn't even wash. You didn't tell your disciples to wash. Sitting down there with dirty hands. And if you read Matthew's account, Matthew 15, you really need to read both accounts to get the whole thing. They said, Why don't your disciples keep the traditions? In other words, they said, Why don't you do like we do? Have you ever heard that before? What should be your response? There you go. Why don't you dress like we dress? Hmm? Why don't you wear your hair like we do? Hmm? Why don't you praise God like we do? Why don't y'all do it like we do? We've always done it like this. This has been our way for 300 years. Yeah, but is it possible that it's just your ways? Hmm? And that the Lord didn't start it? And that He hadn't been in it? For 300 years. And he's just blessed you not because of it. But in spite of it. Let's keep looking. The Pharisees. Verse 5. And the scribes. They said. Why? Walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders. But you eat bread with unwashing hands. Now are you hearing how terrible they thought that was? Do you understand? I mean they thought you ain't even saved. I'm serious. Now, you think that's funny, but you know it's true. There's all kinds of people tell you that if you're not baptized in water in a certain way, you ain't saved. Where's the Scripture? Hmm? And I don't mean somebody's wild interpretation of half a verse. If something's really Bible, you'll see it throughout the Word. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. People will say, well, you know... God can't use you. You got tattoos. God can't use you. You got nose rings. Who said it? Where's the scripture? Are you with me? Well, God can't use you. You're divorced. What's the response? Where's the scripture? Now, I know sometimes people think they've got some, but i got some too. (laughs) That's not my subject, but that's what you come back to. Where's the Scripture? Where's it at? Hmm? Well, you've been a drunk, and you've done this, and you've done that. God couldn't use you in the ministry. Said who? You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. How many believe when the Lord cleanses you? He cleanses you. He washes you. If He said He forgets it, He forgets it. If He's not holding it against you, then why can't you go on and do anything that He called you to do? But there are all kinds of people that have got their ideas that certain folk can't be saved and other folk can't be used if they don't fit certain criteria. But it's just tradition and not truth. Let's keep reading. He answered and said to them, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Everybody say heart. 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 That's what I'm going to be talking to you about tonight. Heart. He distinguishes between what people say and what's really inside them. He goes on to say, in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They teach these traditions like their Bible and require that you submit to them and do them just like their truth. I mentioned it. Uh, Last Friday, I had a lady come to me one time after a service and wanted to argue about something. And I just told her again what the scripture said. And she said, yeah, but it's just like the song says. (laughs) She quoted a verse of a song to me like it was a scripture. Do you understand? I mean, if you really begin to examine things by the Word, even some of the old songs you grew up with, you'll realize that part of it's good, but verse number 3 is absolutely unscriptural. Right? You know? And you don't just throw everything out. Some people say, well, I'm not singing anything else out of the hymnal. Well, no, no, don't do that. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, there's... And there may be somebody that you grew up with and you got a lot of good things out of their ministry, but you grew a little bit and found out that part of what they taught wasn't right. Well, don't throw everything away. Like one minister said, to have as much sense as an old cow, eat the hay and leave the sticks. Take the good and leave the bad. I mean, that includes my message tonight. I mean, don't just sit there and swallow everything, check it out. Hmm? Check it out. Let's keep reading. He said, laying aside, verse 8, the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. Now, there are good traditions. I don't just want you to treat the word tradition like a cuss word. Paul talks about some good traditions, if you look in other places in the epistles. But this is what we're talking about and what we are against. And that's traditions that people push aside the word of God and hold on to the tradition instead. That's what we are very much opposed to. And he says, you've done that, and you hold the tradition of men like the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. Full well, you reject the commandment of God, you turn it aside, you push it away, that you may keep your own tradition. And he gives them an example. I won't go into it, but verse 13, he says, you make the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you've delivered and many such like things do ye now that's a powerful statement can you hear that this irritated the lord can you hear that in the reading of this that he's saying you have set aside the word of god and replaced it with men's rules and traditions and this thing has become such a powerful thing in your life that it's pushed out the Word of God. And it has rendered... How many believe the Word of God is powerful? Heaven and earth will pass away, but this Word won't. But he said, here's something that has absolutely pushed the Word out of your life. It has rendered it for all the good the Word's doing in you. You might as well not have heard it. It's rendered it inoperative and of no result. Man, this is a serious thing. Skip down to verse 14. When he had called all the people to him, he said to them, Hearken to me, every one of you, and understand. Now get this. Everybody's reading with me, right? Verse 15. If you didn't bring your Bible, look on with your neighbor. This is important. You need to see that I'm not just saying this. This is what he said. Verse 15. There is nothing from without a man That entering into him. Can defile him. But the things which come out of him. Those are they. That defile the man. I'm going to go over this real slow. Look at it. There is what? How much? Nothing. Nothing. I want you to let that sink down in your heart. There is nothing. That enters in, Matthew talks about through the mouth. He adds the word mouth. Nothing that comes through the mouth defiles a man. It's things that come out of the mouth. Nothing that comes from without and enters into the man defiles him. But it's those things that come out of him. Those are they that defile a man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. When he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever thing from without enters into the man, it cannot defile him? Let me ask you again. What can defile a man coming in from the outside through his mouth and into his body? What? Now let me add a word that might clarify. What can defile his spirit? His inner man. Is there anything that he could eat. Or drink. Or smoke. Or take. Or do. That that in and of itself. Would defile his spirit. Hmm. Nothing. Now see already this begins to go crosswise with some tradition. Right. People say well they defile themselves with liquor. Not according to Jesus. Well, they defile themselves with smoking dope. Not according to Jesus. I know I had a, a pilot that I had hired a while back to help me on a trip. And uh, he I could tell he hadn't been going to church. And he had some habits that bothered him. and Smoking was one of them. And I could tell the more he was around me, he kind of just shrink away and Sneak off and smoke and finally I was in the elevator with him. I could tell he felt bad. I just reached over. I said, brother, I said, there's nobody in hell for smoking. I said, there's not a soul in hell for drinking. In fact, there's nobody in hell for robbing and stealing. There's nobody in hell for killing. Did you hear me? See how quiet it gets when you say things like that? So what do you mean, Brother Keith? There's only one reason why people are in hell. Rejecting and not receiving the Lord Jesus and what He's done for us. Because how many believe He can cleanse you of anything? He can forgive you of anything. And it's not the outside, it's the inside. Amen. Amen. And what happens is people are judging each other and judging people by what they see on the outside. And people have stereotypes. Well, he's got a southern drawl. He must be a redneck. (laughs) He's probably pretty ignorant. Probably don't know much. Well, she's a woman. You know all women are like that. That's a big group. Right? You don't even know half a percent of the women on the planet. You haven't met half a percent. And yet you're going to make a statement about all women. Hmm? Well, you know, all black people are like that. That's the way they are. All white folks are like that. All Native Americans. All Asians. You know, those people are like that. (laughs) What do you mean those people? (laughs) What people? There's as much difference between uh, two white people or two black people or two men or two women as daylight and dark. Right? Right? Right. And how many of you would like for people to not just look at you and decide? Yeah. Yeah. I got them (laughs) peg. Would you like for them to give you a chance? Get to know me. I had a guy follow me one time out of a service. He didn't like what I preached. And he yelled at me. He said, I don't like you. I turned around. He kept following me. I thought he'd be quiet. He said, I said, I don't like you. I don't like what you do. I don't like what you preach. I don't believe it. I don't like you. I don't like you. I looked at him. I said, you just don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. (laughs) I think that made him madder. But you know, what an arrogant preacher. Well, hey, no need me losing my joy over somebody getting upset. Hmm? No, but how many would like? For people not just look at you and decide, well, they're not very spiritual. I don't know if they're even saved. Well, you know, they're this. Well, they're a northerner. Well, they're a southerner. Well, they're from California. Well, they're an arrowhead. Well, they're a geek. Well, (laughs) whatever. They don't know you, right? How are they going to know you looking at you in a few minutes? But listen to me, friend, you reap what you sow. Right? So if you want good response like this, you need to be giving people a chance. Even though they may look like something, give them a chance. Even though you got off on the wrong foot. Even though uh, they said and did some things that obviously didn't seem to be right. You don't know what was going on before they got there. You don't know. They might be do, handling some stuff better than you would if you were in their shoes. You just right. don't know. But don't judge after the outward appearance. You remember the scripture. Let me just read some to you. You don't have to turn there. But in First uh, Samuel 16:7, you don't have to turn to these. the Lord you know said to Samuel, when he went to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king, he said, "The Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance." But the Lord looks on the heart. You know, racism is so ignorant. It really is. Because you didn't decide what color you are. You had nothing to do with it. Besides that, you don't know what you are. None of us can go back very far in our genealogy and prove that we're a pure anything. We're a mixed up bunch and you know it. And so for somebody to say, well, I hate all yellow people. Well, I hate all red people. Well, your great, 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 great grandma was probably an Apache. Don't even know it. Here you are saying you hate red people. And you is one. Ignorant. And we had nothing to do with it, right? How many would agree you had nothing to do? Nothing to do with what color you are, or you about where you were born, or your culture, or how you grew up, or your background, or your gender, or any of those things. Just a side thought there. Listen to these scriptures. John seven says, Don't judge according to the appearance. Judge righteous judgment. Now, I want you to go with me. i got a lot of things here, but we don't have time for all of them. I want you to go with me to James, the fourth chapter. If nothing that goes in the mouth defiles the man. We didn't finish reading that. Hold your place in James and go back to Mark. Excuse me, we didn't finish this. Hold your place in James, please. Go back to Mark. Start again at verse 15. There is nothing, Mark seven fifteen, from without a man that enters into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, are you so without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever thing comes from without entering into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into what? His heart. I don't care if you drink three cases of whiskey, that whiskey goes through your physical body. It doesn't go into your spirit. Hmm. Care if you smoked a truckload of dope? Did you hear me? I didn't say it's okay now. But we just want to get things straight. Because people build whole doctrines in churches on outward things. And it's either true or it's not that Jesus said nothing that comes through your mouth, or we could say through your skin or whatever that comes in your body, in and of itself, defiles your spirit. But keep on reading, he tells you. He said, because, verse 19, it enters not into the heart, but into the belly. And it goes into the draft, or it goes through your digestive system, purging all meats. And he says, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. You know, you hear somebody cussing and using bad language. It's not just the letters that were put together that formed those words. It's whatever was in that person's heart. Is that right? right. Is there a difference between somebody without even knowing it, hitting somebody with a car and killing them, or somebody in hatred coming up and putting a gun to somebody's head and pulling the trigger, planting it for three months? The courts say there is. Right? And in fact, if you read in Numbers 15 and different places in the law, he talks about the difference between sinning ignorantly are not ignorantly different sacrifices. And I want you to understand the Lord sees it differently. Did you hear me? You know, the Apostle Paul said this He said, I was a blasphemer. And I persecuted the church. And you know, he did. I mean, he was a witness at Stephen's stoning. And he sought people out and killed them. And I mean, he tried to destroy the church. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. In unbelief. See, he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was working for God. And there are people that may have hurt you. And they thought they were doing the right thing at the time. Well, how does the Lord see what they did? Hmm? Does He just judge them based on what they did? No. According to what was in their heart. When they did it. He sees the heart. It's not the act of the thing that... Now, you can defile your body doing stuff. You can destroy your body doing things. But the act... The natural physical act didn't of itself defile your spirit. It's the things that's in your heart that motivate your actions. God sees the thoughts and he sees the intents. He sees the ulterior and hidden motives. And those are the things that defile and those are the things that are sin. Now I'm asking the question and answering and if you could give me a couple of minutes here. What is sin? Sin is a serious thing. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Some people make a mock and scoff about sin. Well, you know, what is sin? Sin is serious. Don't ever let anybody laugh about it. That's why Jesus paid the terrible price he did. But how should we look at it and think of it? Because there's people who tell us all kinds of things. If you don't. This is sin, and that's a sin. And people will say, I've had people tell me, well, drinking coffee sin. Well, there's some people that say, well, wearing deodorants is a sin. It might be closer to being a sin if you didn't wear it. <laughs> but you understand, people have all kinds of weird ideas about stuff. Well, that's a sin. You're sinning. You're in sin. You're living in sin. Well, what's our response? Where's the Scripture? Beside that, is it the same for everybody? Hmm? Let's read some Scripture. Where are you at in James? Hold your place in James, and I'm going to read you. (laughs) You can turn with me if you want to, but I'm going to James, I think. But I'm going to give you three definitions real quick of what sin is, and then I'm going to simplify it down to one. Scripture definitions. Because we're not talking about what I think. We're talking about what does the word say? First John three four is what I want. First John three four says, Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. First John three four. Sin is transgressing, or you say violating, breaking the law. Well, you know what the law is. I mean, thou shalt not kill. Well, then killing would be breaking the law. Thou shalt not lie. Bear false witness. But go to James now, the place you're holding, and keep that in mind. Each one of these you need to have in mind as we read the other. James. I've got to find it. James chapter 4 and verse 17. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knows to do good, and does it not, to him... Did you hear those two words? Tell me again, those those last two words I read. Hmm? To him. To him. This already begins to give you some light, doesn't it? To him it is sin. Well, here sin is something you didn't do. Right? Right? If you knew the right thing to do, if you knew what you should do, you knew what you're supposed to do, and you didn't do it, that's sin. Right? Now go on over to Romans 14. Romans 14, verse 22. He said, do you have faith? Then tell everybody about it. Push it off on them and require that they maintain your standard. (laughs) What did it actually say? Have it to yourself. Hmm? Have it to yourself. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. Happy is the man, blessed is the man, let me say it like this, whose heart doesn't bother him. Hmm? Hmm? His heart, he's not condemning himself. His heart's not bothering him about how he's living and what he's doing. He's a happy man. Happy woman. Right? In the thing that he allows. Verse 23, And he that doubts is damned, or other translations say condemned, if he eat, because he eats not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Well man, that makes it even broader, doesn't it? <laughs> well then some people will say, Well, yeah, I know, Brother Key, we are just poof, we're just sinners saved by grace, and we all sin every day, and there just ain't nothing we can do about it. I do not believe that. Did you hear me? I do not believe that. Where's the scripture? I'm serious. Where's it at? No, listen to me. If you get up in the morning and you cannot help but sin before the day's over, then it's really not your fault. You can't help it. It's your nature. It's like breathing to you. You're going to do it. You ain't no way you can make it through the day without sinning. If you cannot make it through the day without sinning, you can't help it. It's not your fault. Why should you have to repent? Now, here's the truth. We have made mistakes. Oh, don't you misunderstand me. Have you made any mistakes, Brother Keith, since you got saved? Oh, yeah. You had to repent? Oh, yeah. But none of us have to sin. That's why we have to repent. Did you hear me? Because we could have done differently. When we missed it, we didn't do what we should have done. We could have done it. Did you hear me? We knew better, but we went on and did it. We could have done the right thing. That's why we got to get down and say, Lord, I confess this sin. I admit it. I acknowledge it. And I ask you to forgive me. Why? Because you could have done differently. You could have done better. Are you with me? Yes. Now again, don't just accept what I say. Get in this book. Study it out. Here, whatever not of faith is sin. I believe, is it the Amplified that says it like this? Whatever is done without a sense of its approval by God. It's sin. People talk about gray areas. Well, that's just a gray area. Ain't no such thing. I said, there is no such thing as a gray... What do you mean, Brother Keith? You either are confident in your heart that it's acceptable before God or you're not. Hmm? If you in your heart are going, well, I just don't know if this is okay or not. Then for you to go ahead and do it, it is sin. Hmm? Right? Now I'm closing, but let me leave you with this and I want you thinking about this. There are parents and there are pastors and there are leaders who without necessarily planning to, they keep their kids or their members dependent on them. Hmm? You gotta come to me and I'll tell you whether it's right or not. You gotta come to me and I'll tell you what you ought to do. You got kids. They're 18 years old, they're 19 years old, they're in college and have to call mama and daddy 12 times every other day. Can't make any decisions on their own. Well, that means mama and daddy are not doing some things right. Did you hear me? Because by that time, a good parent a good leader, a good pastor, is going to wean that spiritual baby or that natural baby off of me onto the Holy Ghost as soon as they're able. Amen. And so we're getting to know each other, we're getting acquainted, so I'm telling you. If you want me to do all your praying for you and all your hearing from God for you and make all your decisions for you, you are at the wrong place. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Did you hear me? I believe my job is to lead and to feed and to help watch out for and to protect. Amen. And I'm a nice guy, but I can be strong too. Amen. And if I think something's going to hurt the ministry or church, you'll find out I can put my foot down real hard. I have a job. One of these days, I'm going to stand in front of the throne. I'm going to answer to the Lord Jesus. And it won't be good enough for me to say, well, you know, those people just came in there and do that. And I couldn't do anything about it. Well, you know, my wife didn't like that. And my mama said, don't do that. And so I just couldn't do it. That ain't going to hold water with him. Hmm? But here's what I have on my heart. And I believe it is the will of God. Doesn't he talk about in Ephesians. About us speaking the truth in love. And growing up. Everybody say growing up. Growing up into him in all things. So we become strong. So that we're not tossed to and fro. By every wind of doctrine and everything that comes down the pike. I want you to hear from God. Amen. I want you to have faith. I want you to be strong. I want you to be confident. Amen. Yeah. We're not going to keep you dependent on us. I know from the time I was just eight, and nine years old, I thank God for my folks. They didn't know everything, but they did some things right. And uh, I mean, from the time I was eight, nine years old, I'd ask my dad. I had some money here. I'm wanting to buy this thing. He knew it was a piece of junk. He knew it would break, you know, the second time I played with it. But I said, you know, should I get that? He said, well, what do you think? He's training me. And he let me buy the dumb thing and waste my money. But it's better to learn it on that when you're eight huh? than to learn it on something important when you're 20. Right? And that's what the Lord is working with us and wanting to happen in us. He's wanting you to learn His voice. He's wanting you to learn how to hear from Him in prayer. He's wanting you to be confident in which way you should take and how to believe and how to be strong. What is sin to you? Hmm? The Lord holds us accountable for the light we have. And that's why he told us not to judge because we are not qualified to judge each other because I don't know how much light you have. And that's why when you see people doing things, don't just look at what they do and judge their life and situation. They may be walking in all the light they have. They may be doing better than you are in the Lord's eyes because you know more. I understand, if we walked in the light and were doers of everything we know, our life would be different. And don't come down on people. There are people that believe if they don't dress a certain way, it's a sin. If they don't wear their hair a certain way, it's a sin. If they don't do a certain thing a certain way, and you say, well, that ain't sin. Well, if they believe it is, did you hear me? and you convince them to go on and not do it, and while they're doing it, they're condemned inside, and their heart's bothering them, and they believe that they're doing something wrong, then to them it is sin. We're walking in the light that we have. We should be. And here's the key. How to get sensitive. How many would like to be so sensitive to the Lord that when He speaks to your heart, you hear it clear? Just like somebody's talking to you over the PA system. You know it's Him and you know what He's saying. I'm not talking about hearing audible voices. I'm not talking about feeling things or seeing spectacular things happen. But at the same time, every child of God can be led by Him every day. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, the Scripture says. How do you get that way? It doesn't come overnight. It gets that way by you feeding on this book. I remember when I was in my late teens before I ever answered the call on my life. I was going to be a fighter. That's what I was going to do. Yeah. And I'm in the floor and I'm praying. God was dealing with me. I didn't know it was Him. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I was miserable. And i go out in the woods at night and pray. And I must have said, if I said this once, I'm sure I said it a thousand times. I said, Lord, what is it? Talk to me. What do you want? Talk to me. I know I must have said it a thousand times. Over a period of days and weeks and months. Talk to me. I'll never forget it. I was in our little 1969 Marriott mobile home. (laughs) trailer whatever you want to call it modular home (laughs) it wasn't very nice at all I was in there in the floor for the nth time going God please you know what talk to me talk to me and he spoke to my heart I don't mean I heard an audible voice now but distinctly inside me and this is what he said to me he said son I have said all manner of good things to you In this book, and you don't know them. Find out what I've already said to you in the book, and if I want to say anything else to you, I will. Amen. That's right. So I've spent the last twenty-two or three years trying to find out what he said to me in the book. How many? If you say, "I want to hear from God, God talk to me, God talk to me," just flip open to Matthew. Flip open to Matthew and start reading. That's right. God's talking. I said He's talking. Turn it over to Acts and just read. He's talking. Amen. He's talking in Genesis. He's talking in Ephesians. He's talking in Revelation. He's talking. And in doing that, day in and day out, you begin to get familiar with His voice. Because just like He sounds in Genesis, it's the same one talking in Revelation. And that same one, different human authors, but the same Spirit of God. And He is the same one who is inside you. And it will cause you to know what to do even in the small things of life. But here's the second thing. That was the first thing I said. The second, you know, get acquainted with Him through His Word. And, you know, it helps to pray (laughs) something. But secondly, and this is just as important as the other, when you get something in your heart, don't override it. This is how people become dull. They override, they know they ought to do a thing, but they don't do it. They know in their heart they should quit doing a thing, but they keep on doing it. Somebody of say, well, is that a problem? It's a big problem. The Bible talks about a seared conscience. I used to work out on the docks loading freight. And uh, after a few months working there, man, i got such calluses on my hands. And there were some of the older guys that had worked out there for years over lunch break. They'd sit there with a pocket knife and just carve in their hand. Couldn't even feel it. So anybody know what I'm talking about? Such thick calluses. Well, that's insensitive and unfeeling too. And that's what happens when you disobey, when you push that aside, when you ignore, when you override what you know inside, it makes you a little duller. It builds calluses. And the more you do it, the duller you get. And the duller you get and the duller you get until you get to where things of God are not clear to you. You're not sensitive anymore. Oh, but here's the good news. Those calluses I used to have, I don't have them anymore. (laughs) Tender hands. Why? Because I quit doing the thing that caused the callus. And it became tender again. Amen. Amen. And I don't care how dull you may have felt that you've become, just start tonight. Start tonight. Amen. And you get something on your heart, do it. Follow your heart. Don't ask everybody in their brother what they think you ought to do. That's right. God's looking at your heart. He's holding you accountable for the light that you have. Amen. Walk in the light you have. Keep your heart clear. If it bothers you, quit it. Amen. No matter what anybody else thinks. If it bothers your heart, quit it. If you keep feeling like you should do it, do it. Amen. Amen. And you'll find that you'll be walking in the light and whatever anybody else might think, the Lord looks at your heart. And if your heart's clear and your conscience is clear and you're doing everything you know to obey Him and please Him, He will be pleased with you. Amen. He'll be pleased with you. That's all He asks. Is that you do what you know and walk in the light that you have. And as you grow, you'll get more light. And sometimes you'll grow for a year a few years and you'll look back and go, I can't believe I used to do that. Can't believe I used to and at the time you didn't see anything wrong with it, because that's all the light you had. Stand up on your feet, why don't you please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I want you to release faith. The psalmist said, set a watch at the door of my lips. Just close your eyes and I want you to pray this out loud. Father God, thank you for loving me, being patient with me. Anything that I've ignored you in, Or overridden my heart about. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to show me. And remind me of it. Make it clear to me. Tonight. Tomorrow. The next day. Anything. That's not right in your eyes. Make it clear to me. Make it plain to me. And by your grace. Grace. I'll obey what you put in my heart. By your help, I'll walk in the light that you've given me. And I thank you that you will cause me to be more and more sensitive. To know you better and better. Walk in greater confidence. Greater joy. And please you well in all things thank you Lord why don't you put your hands up and thank him just praise him a little bit tonight just bless him a little bit oh bless you praise you we exalt you we glorify you we magnify you come on praise him a little bit I don't think we're quite through just praise him a little bit Father we bless you you're such a good God to us thank you Thank you for being so gracious to us. Thank you for being so kind to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, praise you. 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 Hallelujah. I heard this in my spirit. I just want to repeat this and say, I believe the Lord is saying this. Just close your eyes if you would. Heard this in my spirit. I'm not through with you. I'm not through with you. And you think, well, I've done this and I've done that and now I'm retired or now I'm past that. No, I have some other things for you to do, says the Lord. And now I'm going to begin to reveal them to you. And it's going to become clearer and clearer to you. And when it comes up in your heart, don't override it. Don't push it aside. Don't say, well, yeah, but I'm comfortable now. Yeah, well, I've already got this all fixed up. No, no. If you do, you'll miss out on some good and rich things. And then when you do come to see me, you'll not have some fruit. You'll not have some reward that I plan on you having. So, hear and be ready because I have some more for you to do and you're not through. I also heard in my heart about this. Some have said, yeah, but I've made such a mess of my life. I've done this and I messed that up. I messed that marriage up and I messed that family up. And I drank this up and I just blew this on drugs and I just did this. And I, And I, how could God use me? How can God use anybody? There are no perfect people in the earth for God to use. All He needs is your heart to be willing. All He needs is for you to say yes. All He needs is for you to say, I believe I am truly forgiven. I am truly cleansed. I am truly washed. And you'll be amazed at what I can do with you, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, believe Him, friend. Believe Him. Believe Him. It's not too far gone. It's not too hard. It's not too late. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Him a little bit more. Tell Him that you believe Him. Tell Him that you're willing. Tell Him that you're ready to do whatever He wants you to do. You're ready. You're willing. If He wants you, He knows what you are. He knows your past. And if He says He wants you anyway, well, just rejoice and say, Thank you. Thank you for using me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you. I will make myself available to you. I will, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.